Um, let's give them a big round of applause. I know it's difficult to, to come up here and um, in front of your peers, and whether it's speaking or singing or so forth. And so, um, uh, like I said, this is our this is our last normal summit of the year. And so, um, we have kind of a one-off lesson today on uh, breaking down barriers in order to share your faith, and, and I'm excited for this lesson. Back when I was in middle school, the seventh grade, I, I believe to be exact, I really wanted to become a snowboarder, right? Um, that just, I felt like snowboarders were so cool, and I really wanted to become a snowboarder, and so I already knew how to ski, I had been skiing for years, I was pretty good at skiing, but I decided that I wanted to become a snowboarder, and so uh, my Young Life group was taking a, a trip on a winter retreat to a ski slope, and that weekend I decided that I was going to, I saved up my money and I was going to rent a snowboard and some snowboard boots, and I was going to become a snowboarder that weekend. And so uh, the, the only problem was is I had never snowboarded before, and I had never done anything remotely close to snowboarding before. I never surfed, I never wakeboarded, I never skateboarded or anything. And so. But I was determined I was going to become a snowboarder. And so the first day comes, and I strap on my snowboard, and I go about five feet, and then I fall. And then I go about another five to ten feet, and I fall again. And over the course of that day, I probably fell over a hundred times. And at the end of the day, I uh, finish up the day, and my butt is so sore from having fallen on it, like at least a hundred times that day. And so the next day I get up and my body is screaming at me to just put on my skis instead of my snowboard. But I really wanted to be a snowboarder. And so despite what my body was telling me to do, I decided that I was gonna strap in and put on my snowboard. And so I go, and, and I'm a little bit better the second day. You know, instead of falling every 5 to 10 feet, I fall every 20 to 30 feet. But I still fell probably 100 times that day. And at the, at the end of the day, my body had just, like, had it. I was ready to give up. I had problems sleeping that night because I was so sore and so forth. But I was determined. And so the last day comes, and I strap on my snowboard. And I was determined. And I was going to become a snowboarder that weekend. And sure enough, by the end of the day, on that last day, I was able to get down one of the runs without falling. And I haven't put on a pair of skis since. And the thing is, is my story isn't so unique. If I were to ask, each and every one of you, I'm sure each of you have a similar story. A story where you overcame some shortcomings, overcame some inadequacies, overcame some trials to achieve a desired result. See, maybe being here at UT is that for you. You really wanted to come to UT, but your ACT score wasn't high enough, or your grades weren't good enough. 
And so you did the extra credit, you, you studied a lot more, you, you took a bunch of practice exams, and, and you got your, your ACT score up so that you would be accepted, so that you could come here to UT. Maybe you really wanted to make a sports team. And you weren't sure if you were going to make the cut, and so you got up early, and you would go to the gym, and you would run, and you would stay after practice, and, and do all the extra steps that you needed so that you could make the sports team. Maybe it's a job that you really wanted. Or one. Right? And so you go and you meet the right people and you practice your interviewing skills and you freshen up your resume and, and you learn new skills so that you can have this specific job. Or maybe it's something more personal than that. Maybe there's a broken relationship with a parent or a sibling or a boyfriend and girlfriend that, that you really want to mend. And you're willing to do whatever it takes necessary to mend that relationship. You see, we all have stories where we overcome shortcomings and obstacles and hurdles because we love the result more than the alternative. For me, I love the idea of being a snowboarder more than being a skier. And so I was willing to overcome my not knowing how to snowboard and, and the falling and the obstacles and the trials so that I could become a snowboarder and call myself a snowboarder. One of my favorite uh, verses on love comes from 1 John um, chapter 4, a uh, section of verses, First uh, John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, flip over there. It says, uh, Beloved, sorry, I'm trying to figure out where that slide is. Alright, uh, Beloved, <laughs> let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You see, God is a God of love. And God, he, he demonstrates his love for us, not only with his words, right, through scripture, but he demonstrated his love for us through his actions. It says that he sent his son because he loved us. You see, love involves words, but also involves action. I could tell my daughter or my wife that I love them all that I want. But unless I show them with my actions, they're never going to know it. And my words are going to be empty to them. Because real love, true love, involves action. 
And that's what God did. He not only tells us he loves us, but he showed us through the action of sending his son as a sacrifice for us. Matthew chapter uh, 28, starting in verse 18, it reads, Now the eleven disciples, or uh, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Christian circles, this is often known as and referred to as the Great Commission. And this is a simple enough command by Jesus, right? This is at the end, uh, the last few verses of the Gospel of Matthew. And, and uh, Jesus, he gives this command to us. It says, go and make uh, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is from Jesus' own mouth, and he commands all of his followers to do this, and this is pretty straightforward. This is pretty simple and straightforward, and yet so few Christians actually live out this command of Jesus. So few Christians live this command out in their own lives. And why is that? I know for me, personally, I have made many excuses to not follow this straightforward, simple command from Jesus. I've used excuses like, I don't know enough scripture to share my faith with others. I've used the excuse of, well, that is the minister's job or the pastor's job. That's not my job to do. Although I can't use that excuse anymore because I am the minister. Right? I've used the excuse of, well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Or I'm afraid I'm going to scare them off. What if they reject You see, these are all excuses that I've used not to follow this command of Jesus. And my guess is that you have probably used some of these excuses yourself as well. But the truth of the matter is that when it comes down to it, all of these excuses that we use to not follow this command of Jesus are just that. They're excuses. Because you see, if you truly love someone, if you truly care for someone, uh, you're not going to use excuses. You're going to overcome any excuse, any obstacle, because you want them to know the love of the Father. And you're not going to use excuses. And you're going to follow this command of Jesus because you love the person. Because true love is not just with your words, but with action as well. 
Tim Gillette. He's uh, part of the magician duo uh, Penn and Teller. I don't know if you guys know who they are, but um, they're, they're kind of famous. I think they have a show on TV, and uh, they I think they have a show in Vegas and so forth. And uh, they're, they're great magicians, phenomenal magicians. But Pendulet, he is a known atheist. And he's very vocal about his atheism. And um, he is very against religion and so forth. But uh, about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago or so, he, he put this video out on YouTube where he talks about this experience that he had with a Christian who was bold enough to live out Jesus' command trying to share the gospel with him. And so watch this video of, of uh, Penn Gillette talk about this, his experience. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I can open the show, and at the end of the show, uh, I mentioned before, we go out the uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign the casual autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side, the, uh, what I call the hover position, after I was old dog, big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand as we give those away. He had the, or the joke book and the, and the envelope and the camera and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, that's not worth explaining. We had props from the show that we give him the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that late. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show that I liked and I wanted to leave. It was very complimentary. All my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it was from the New Testament, but I also thought it the Psalms from the New Testament, right? Uh, Psalms from the just part of the New Testament. A little book about this big, this thing. They said, I wrote in the front of it. And I want you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm saying I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, 
you know, but I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell, or not getting eternal life, or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists would think that people should proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed, you know, shut up without, that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, if that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle it. And this is more important than that. And I always thought that, and I've written about that, I thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him, an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I want to say. So, at one point in this video, uh, Penn Gillette, he says that how much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize? Or how much do you have to hate someone to not evangelize? And how much do you have to hate someone to not share the good news of Christ with them and live out the command that Jesus gives us? And I, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think that, you know, Penn, he's kind of right. I don't think that the Christians, we actively hate people, then we don't want to share the good news with them, but I do think that there is a lack of love. You see, often we fail as Christians to fulfill the great commission of sharing the good news of Christ simply because we don't love the individual enough. Often we fail to fulfill the Great Commission simply because we don't love enough. So that brings up a difficult question for tonight. What does it say about my true thoughts for my neighbor or my friend or my family member? or my peer, or my classmate, if I'm not willing to live out the command of Jesus and share the good news with them. You see, I can say that I love my neighbor all that I want, but unless I'm willing to share, I don't think I do. Because true love involves not just words, 
by action as well. See, I can say that I love my friend or my family member that doesn't know Christ, but unless I'm willing to live out the command of the Great Commission and share the good news of Christ with them, do I really love them? You see, we should be willing to do whatever it takes necessary to win souls for Christ and fill out and fulfill the Great Commission that Jesus talks about. Paul, he talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse uh, 19. It says, um, and this is a long passage, so bear with me, and it's kind of a tongue twister. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win uh, those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. To put this in modern day terms, what Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, to the jocks, I became like a jock so that I could win the jocks. To the geeks, I became a geek so that I could win the geeks. To the sporty, I became sporty so that I could win the sporty. To the nerds, I became like a nerd so that I could win the nerds. To the gamers, I became like a gamer so that I could win the gamers. To the poor, I became poor so that I could win the poor. To the socially rejected. I became a social reject so that I could win the socially rejected. See, what Paul is saying is that uh, no matter what obstacle or hurdle is in the way, you should do whatever it takes necessary to try to win souls for Christ. Even if it means going against what you, what you prefer, going against what you gravitate towards, going against your, uh, your preferences or your traditions or what you like. Paul is saying, hey, none of that matters. You should do whatever it takes necessary to break down the barriers and remove obstacles so that people can see Christ. <clears throat> Yet Christians and churches... We're the worst at doing this, aren't we? If you grew up in the church at all, uh, you would probably realize that churches and Christians, if you were to make a list of people who uh, prefer tradition and prefer their own preferences and doing things the way they want, Christians and churches would probably top the list, right? We're horrible at this. And yet Paul is saying, hey, we need to do whatever it takes necessary. We need to remove all barriers 
break down all barriers so that people can see and accept Christ. You see, when we live this way, and we say, hey, I prefer to have things my own way. I like the way I've always done them. I'm going to do things the way I want to do them. When we accept that mentality as a church and as Christians, essentially what we're saying is, hey, and we're telling the world is, hey, I love myself more than I love you. I would rather have things done the way I prefer than to remove barriers from you seeing Christ. Because I love myself more than I love you. See, we should be willing to do whatever it takes to break down those barriers, overcome those obstacles, overcome those trials, overcome those inadequacies, so that souls can be won for Christ. <clears throat> and this is what God did for us. This is the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? This is what God did. You see, he humbled himself as a human, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, took on our sins so that we could be, have the hope of being reunited with him. See, God was willing to overcome and do whatever it take or took so that we could have eternity and spend eternity with him. And if God is willing to do that for us, shouldn't we also be willing to do that for others? Shouldn't we also be willing to do whatever it takes so that others can see and experience the love of our God and Father? And so what can you do this week to help you live this life? And help you fulfill the great commission that Jesus commands all of us to do? I think the first thing is you, can, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. You see, these, these situations are uncomfortable sometimes. They're difficult, and you have to be okay with that. And the more that you put yourself in these uncomfortable situations, like that guy in the video, I'm sure that that was very uncomfortable for him. But the more you put yourself out there and put yourself in, and do these, these things where you're sharing your faith for the sake of the gospel, and it turns out okay, right? It always is worse in your head before you do it. But the more you do it, the more you're uncomfortable, and the more you realize that everything's going to be okay in the end. The more and more you're willing to put yourself out there. And second, I want to challenge you guys. Think of someone that you know that needs the gospel, that needs Jesus in their life. And give them a text this week. 
Go and grab lunch with them. Go and grab coffee with them. Go and just sit with them with the purpose of sharing the good news with them. Have a gospel appointment where you share your faith with them. Let them know that you love them, not just with your words, but with your actions as well. And let them know that God loves them as well. And so I challenge you this week to go and do that. And so if you are here tonight and you haven't accepted Christ, man, I would love to share with you how to make that happen. I would love to tell you the good news of the gospel. And so please come find me after or find a student leader after and we'd love to share with you the good news of, of Jesus and his love for you. So I think we have a couple more songs and then um, we'll be dismissed for the night.